welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Yo, 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 yo. I always start off saying that I feel like I need to come up with a better intro. <laughs> but thank you for tuning in. This is the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. This is episode seven. Um, I believe I wanted to start off, I guess, with a quick note. Um, I meant to record, or I should say we, uh, my co-host and I, uh, I wanted to record uh, UFC Houston, because, you know, we always review all of the fights and everything, but this week, <laughs> these last couple of weeks, just have kind of not been too kind to me. Life has been giving me the business, and to be frank, I just haven't really been in the mood, really, but um, I'm not going to com- completely abandon that card. Um, we got the Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy fight coming up, and we'll definitely review that card when it happens, and then at the least, since we won't be able to review all of the previous card, um, we will at least talk about the return of Korean Zombie. Um, I can't not talk about that because of how that fight went down. Um, so next week, uh, that'll be coming. But today, um, we will go through the uh, good old Super Bowl that happened last week. And then I got a, a album review that I want to get into. So, we'll, we'll start off <laughs> with the Super Bowl. Um, I don't want to stay on this too long. At this point, we've all seen seen the game where if you didn't watch it, you know what happened. You know how it went down. But I guess overall thoughts. Well, let me say this first. As I say on every episode, I let my biases be known. Um, I've stated that I am a Cowboys and Colts fan. So you can imagine my seasons <laughs> didn't go too well for either team. Still proud of my Cowboys, though. Colts, that's another issue. I'll, another podcast. But... um. So, in the Super Bowl, I didn't have anyone to root for, but I am a firm Patriots hater. I'll just throw that out there. Never been a fan. Don't don't <laughs> don't rock with those guys at all. But um I was really interested for this matchup to see if Atlanta was going to be for real and everybody's for real, I guess it seems, until they play the Patriots. And this game, uh, the first half, man, like, when you're up 21 skunk, and I don't know how many of you guys listening, you might be a little younger. I don't don't know if you guys do this, but, you know, when I was younger and you played, like, Madden, or, you know, whatever football game might have been out at the time. Uh, if you went up 21 skunk, which is 21-0, you had to pass the sticks. Like, if somebody was beating you by 21, it meant you weren't worthy <laughs> to keep playing the game. 
Like it was over. Pass the sticks. Get the next person a shot because you're done. And the Falcons, they they had their 21 skunk moment. And not only did the Patriots not pass the sticks, like <laughs> they just came back and they came back. They took the sticks. They won the game. They just, I don't even know what to say. And I've been trying to figure out, like, where does the blame for this loss go? Because Atlanta just completely let the game slip away. I mean, when the game first started off, it was actually a pretty defensive game. Because I remember for a little bit, neither team was scoring. They were, they were going three, out, three and outs back to back. And I was just waiting for Atlanta's offense to wake up because when your offense is that high powered, it's only but so long before you're going to start scoring again or before you'll, you know, you'll start putting up points. And then when their offense got going, like they really got going, man, they were putting it on the Patriots. Um, You actually got it pulled up in front of me. So, yeah, the first quarter was zero zero. Now, a lot of three and outs. I feel like both teams were still like trying to get their, I guess their feet wet, so to speak. The second quarter, Atlanta put up 21 points, <laughs> and the Patriots only put up three. And watching the game, it just Atlanta was getting loose. Their running backs were were killing it with uh, Coleman and Freeman, speedy receivers, and Julio. Just everything was. Everything was going perfect, and I, I said this before um, when this when this matchup uh, ended up happening was that Houston laid down the blueprint on how to beat the Patriots. You gotta get pressure on Brady, and the Falcons were doing that. I've never seen Brady be hit so many times in a game before. They were in Brady's face like every other play, and it was like for the first for the first two, and really you could say two and a half quarters. That there's nothing better they could have done. And then halftime comes, and a lot of people were online already posting memes about all oh, the Patriots are done. And as much as I hate the Patriots, I just have to acknowledge that their coach is the Sith Lord, <laughs> Bill Belichick. When you have Bill Belichick as your coach, you always have a chance to come back. The, the dude's a, he's a genius. He's a football maniac. You know he's going to come up with some kind of game plan to get them back in it. So even when they were up, you know, 21-0, and I think at one point they were up like 25-8 to or whatever, I was like, I'm not, this game isn't over yet. It's close to being over. I felt like if Atlanta, if Atlanta could have got like one more touchdown or even a field goal, I think this game would have been a wrap. But it was like, they got time. You got time, you have Bill Belichick, who's a football genius, and you have Brady, who as much as I hate to admit it at this point, arguably greatest quarterback to ever play, maybe even over Montana. I won't, I won't go that far yet, but I feel like now you, you definitely have to seriously like consider it. And the second half comes, and it was like the game flipped. They Both teams flipped positions. Like Atlanta just fell flat, and... I feel like if I have to place a blame on somebody for Atlanta, because I, 
I don't want to take away from the Patriots, but I felt like this game was more of Atlanta giving it away than the Patriots taking it from them, if that makes sense. But Atlanta's play calling in the second half just blew my mind. I mean, any... I'm not a football guru or anything, but, like, time of possession and... That's just that's so crucial in the second half in a Super Bowl when you have a lead that's that big. You need to keep Brady off of the field. You can't get three and outed and keep giving this guy a chance to get his team back in the game. And I was puzzled and dumbfounded at how little it seemed like they ran the ball in the second half. I feel like common sense would tell you, like, dude, we're up by about three touchdowns. Just... You don't have to just completely run it the second half. You know, you still want to mix your plays up, keep the Patriots defense honest. But it almost seemed like they just became one-dimensional. Like they just, for whatever reason, the running game slowly started to get abandoned. And they became one-dimensional. They were mainly only throwing. And they they gave the Patriots just the smallest the smallest crack to get their foot back in the door and they got their foot back in the door and they just kicked it down. And the one thing I think people overlooked in this matchup that I think made a big difference is experience. Atlanta's never been here before. Well, they have been once, but you know, the Patriots, they've, they've done this before. These dudes have won Super Bowls on top of Super Bowls on top of Super Bowls. Like, that organization knows how to win. And so they, they know how to handle the big moments, even when they're down by, you know, three scores. I felt like Atlanta, I don't know. I don't know if maybe the moment just got to them and they thought they had it in the bag. And then when they saw the Patriots start to drive back, they didn't know how to react to it. And their play calling definitely didn't didn't do him any favors and you got to give it to Brady like as much as he got hit and sacked and beat up more than I've ever seen him before dude he, he kept coming back they were just making crazy plays <laughs> the Edelman catch probably one of the craziest catches I've ever seen I still don't understand how that ball was not intercepted or knocked down, and Edelman manages to catch the ball, catch it and juggle it, and catch it again in the midst of three, <laughs> in the midst of three defenders, and somehow he still comes down with it. I, that was it was one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen. Like that that fourth quarter was just insanity, and Brady just he just shredded that defense in the fourth, and it seemed like Atlanta was. It was starting to get gassed towards the end. like, And then when it went to overtime, you knew it was over. Really, to be honest, I thought I knew in the fourth quarter, when that comeback was just starting to happen, I knew it was over. You can't give Brady that kind of time. You can't give him that one window of hope because he's going to take the shot and he's probably going to hit it. So when they went into overtime, and especially when New England won the coin toss, you knew it was over. It was nothing they were going to do to stop that offense. And really, after when Julio Jones made the, the, the foot drag catch, which Julio balled out of his mind this game, this dude made some amazing catches that I just don't even understand 
how they're like humanly possible. But when his catch didn't seal the game, because Atlanta, once again, terrible play calling, run the ball a few times, go for a field goal, game's over. You leave, big story, Atlanta gets their first Super Bowl. And it's just, I just, I don't know. I want to know what was, what was going through their mind the second half. Like what, <laughs> like wow, they just gave, they had to know they were just giving this away. And it's like if they were playing anybody else, if that wasn't Bill Belichick or Tom Brady on the opposite side, even with that bad play calling, they probably still would have won. Anybody else, if they would have played in the AFC, I think they probably would have beat him. But when you're playing Brady and Belichick, you can't, you have to play like a perfect game. You can't make any mistakes. You can't leave that kind of, you can't leave that window of hope open. And they, they left it open, man. And they performed one of the (laughs) premier chokes I think I've ever seen. I, I still don't know if I'll say that choke is worse than the Golden State choke. But. I'll at least say probably in terms of just football specifically, that might have been the worst choke I think I've ever seen. Maybe not statistically. I'm pretty sh- I, I'm pretty sure there are teams who have come back from bigger deficits, but not in that like magnitude, you know, in a Super Bowl. Like no, I've never seen anybody else choke like that in such a big a moment where the game was was yours like you you had the game. It was it was yours to take. You you were still in their souls in the first half, <laughs> and then the second half comes and you just completely drop the ball. So, props to Brady, fifth Super Bowl. I wanted to be mad because you know I'm not a fan, but that was one of those performances where. Sometimes you see performances that are just so great that you have no choice but to salute. Couldn't even be mad at him. And I know there were some videos floating around about um, the two-point conversion. I think the second one that James White ran in, that his knee was down or something. something. I don't care about that, man. I don't care. By that point in the game, Atlanta just didn't deserve the win. So even if his knee was down, to be honest, I I just don't care. Like (laughs) I really don't care. If you let a team come back from that big a deficit, you deserve to lose. That's just how I see it. So, I mean, cheers to a great Super Bowl, though. It, I don't like seeing blowouts, which I thought that was going to be. Well, I, oh, actually, I can't say that. When the Patriots were down 21-0, I was actually pretty excited. But I've never seen a second half so wild. I, that's not. I can't say this is the best Super Bowl I've ever seen, but it's probably up there. Like that, you you have to applaud that kind of finish, and that kind of comeback, because you don't. Not everybody can do what Brady did. As much as I hate to give him <laughs> so much props, but not a lot of people I think can can come back from what he came back from. He took a small opportunity. Atlanta slacked off, and. Him and Edelman and Hogan and James White, who arguably could have been MVP, they, those boys balled out, man. So um, Atlanta's going to have a long offseason. Um, I do believe in the Super Bowl hangover, and I think it's going to be very real <laughs> next season. 
as much talent as Atlanta has and probably still will have, and I know they're making adjustments already. Um, they hired Steve Sarkeesian as new offensive coordinator. I just I don't know. I think next year, man, we might see a four and a four and twelve or eight and eight, and it won't have anything to do with them not having the talent. Just I don't know. I think this game is gonna it's gonna sting them for a while. And the Patriots, man, are just the Patriots. Unfortunately, every year they're they're always in the playoff picture. You could almost argue every year they're almost in the Super Bowl picture. Even they don't, they don't even really have down years. Like their down years are most teams' best seasons, to be honest. But I don't want to give the Patriots any more props. Um, <laughs> that's just the the hater in me, the bitter hater in me. Um, but yeah, salutes, man. Good game, good Super Bowl. Atlanta, man, y'all got to get it together. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping my Cowboys will. Hoping we'll we'll make another run uh, next season. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, the Colts, as much as I love them dearly, I will not hold my breath on us making it to a Super Bowl <laughs> anytime soon. But yeah, that's that's that. That's pretty much all for football. Um, hopefully, you got it. Y'all got a chance to watch the game. If not, you did. You missed a great Super Bowl. Um, but on to better things that aren't so depressing to talk about i want to get to an album that this was actually my first okay this wasn't my first purchase this year this is my first physical cd purchase but not my first actual i think my first purchase was um cult classic records if i don't know if you guys are familiar with them um they make a lot of instrumental uh hip-hop albums uh dudes like thomas prime um, other names are slipping my slipping my memory, but look up like Thomas Prime if you like his kind of instrumentals. You should definitely check out uh, the Cult Classic Records Bandcamp. But they dropped the uh, uh, Friends and Family, which is like a collab uh, instrumental tape they do with all of their artists. Um, that was like my first official purchase, and then after that came this album, uh, which comes from the homie Substantial, uh, Maryland MC. So I had to review. Um, I'm based out of Maryland, so. Got to support the home team. Uh, this album is titled The Past is Always Present in the Future. Um, I've known about Substantial for a while now, like years and years. This is actually, though, admittedly, my first time listening to a full-length solo from him. Um, I've listened to collab projects he's done. Um, if you guys have ever heard of the group Bop Alloy, that consists of Substantial and the homie Marcus D. Shout out to Marcus D., uh, another one of my favorite producers. And they put together some good albums. Um, Sust- Substantial was also was uh, heavily affiliated with Nujabes, who I don't know how you wouldn't know who he is. He producer who did the music for Samurai Champloo, um, heavily impacted the instrumental hip-hop scene a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people clearly borrow, borrow from Nietzsche Bess's style which actually substantial addresses on this album but um yeah man sub is substantial has been around for for a while he's always from what I've heard before this album always put out really solid work um after the last Bop Alloy EP which I think was called The Present and that came out last year or was that this year so, sorry, no, that came out last year in May. 
So I listened to that EP. I think it was only like five tracks. And it was really sharp, man. It was a really sharp EP. Um, Marcus D did great on the production. Um, Substantial to me sounded probably like the best I've ever like heard him. So that EP comes out. And then he announces the solo, and I figure, hey, they they got good momentum going, so there's no reason why this solo album that he's got shouldn't shouldn't be fire. And excuse me. And I I picked this up, man. I pre-ordered it, and I was not disappointed. Um, substantial. He gives you a lot. It's good content, good mixture of beats. Probably leans towards more of the I don't even want to say boom bap it's kind of boom bapish but with a little more soul into it also kind of more of that that Nujibes flavor not completely but you can definitely tell the production's influenced uh, by that and actually speaking of production real quick let me give a shout out to all of the people that did contribute uh, to the beats on this album uh, we got Algorithm Gensu Dean John Lane, uh, Jay Soul, who was also from Maryland, shout out to him, uh, Marcus D, who I mentioned earlier, the other guys, who I believe, I think they're from D.C., and the homie Odyssey, who I've raved about before, um, I, I can't say enough good things about Odyssey, I'm pretty sure when his, uh, he's got an album dropping this month too, I'll definitely be reviewing that, but if you never listen to Odyssey, give him a, a listen, but yeah, man, Substantial, this album has content just ranging from the state of hip-hop the state of the world um really personal tracks uh, and specific there's one on here about um that references a lot of his daughter that i'll get into later um police brutality racism the whole gamut of the whole gamut just a, a wide range of topics and everything that he he touches on so in that aspect the album's uh, pretty well rounded um on the production tip um if you're familiar with the producers who are named you can kind of guess what the album sonically sounds like um but it it does have a good variety a lot of some tracks are have kind of more upbeat maybe a little more boom bap um then you have tracks that are much more chill and and laid back and those actually really fit substantial's style well he has a really good like vocal cadence i feel like people under underappreciate that like some people just have good like rap voices i feel like he's one of those people that just has a good presence on the mic a good a good like attention grabber he has a really i'm gonna say distinct but he just he has a good rapping voice and it fits well over over this production um i guess i'll just go into specifics uh, this album is 17 tracks long which i did think that's probably my only gripe this album was a bit long i might have trimmed two three songs maybe off this but just a minor knock um i love how this album starts off with the track exposition which is this really dark and like kind of eerie eerie beat but um in terms of content, the this track definitely gives you a feel of of what you're about to get into. And there's a line, um, 
the uh, where's the line? I gotta find. Yeah, so there's a line on this song. Uh, but they asked, "What would Jesus do?" Bet my bottom dollar he wouldn't be down with you. He was the wrong shade. You probably would do him the same. Shoot him seven times while try to while trying to give his name right in front of his kids. Body him with the chrome labeled a threat when all he tried to do was get him home. And when I heard that line, I was like, man, like he's he's going he's going at throats, man. Like he and that really that whole song exposition, which is the opening track. It tackles a lot of just social. The whole like social gamut of America right now and, you know, just like racial tensions and and things like that. And it's it kind of starts to album off really heavy, <laughs> like. It's kind of a an immediate gut check, um, but it's I won't say it's depressing, but you know, like I said, like when you hear or when I heard when I hear lines like that, I'm just like, man, like life ain't all good right now. And that line that line just really stuck out to me. It was it was a really heavy, just heavy line. The probably one of the standout like bars in the entire album. Um, but like I said, the album sonically it is diverse. It starts off with that track that's you know really mellow kind of dark uh then you go to made in maryland which is you know an ode to the hometown that one's a lot more upbeat i want to say and i don't i don't have the production credits in front of me so i may be lying i'm gonna guess and say this was produced by odyssey i'm not entirely sure this sounds like an odyssey beat but i, I might be off um but you know me living i'm not technically from maryland i wasn't born here but i've lived here pretty much over half my life so i always appreciate the odes to hometown um track number three which i really like and i want to make a point of um no turning back um he did something on this track that i also enjoyed about uh tone def's album polymer which i reviewed a few weeks back um this was actually, I believe, one of the singles before the album came out. And this was produced by the other guys. And then when the album dropped, he switched the beat up for the album, which if you listen to my Polymer review, Tone Def did the same on a few tracks on there where you've heard the single, but when you get the album, it doesn't sound the same. And the reason that I love the second version or the album version of the song um, as it features uh, Yama Hiroto, who is another great uh, instrumental artist. If you've never heard, definitely check out his work. If you like those New Jabez type beats, he's definitely somebody you should probably listen to. And he adds a great just piano backdrop to the song. It makes it so smooth and laid back. And this is probably my favorite cut on the album. And also love this track um, and Substantial's last verse. He pretty much does an ode to Nujibes and also takes, you know, jabs at people who, you know, copied Nujibes' style but didn't didn't really give him props like while he was still with us, while he was still around. And I I thought it was just a good a good way to honor, you know, his friend and in that respect. You know, keeping his name alive, but as the track entitled uh as the track is called No Turning Back, it's kind of about that like we can pay tribute, you know, to him, but let's not just stay stuck in the past. We still got to keep, we can still honor his name, but keep moving forward and not live off of his style. So I just thought that last verse was, 
was a really good touch. And the features on here, um, speaking of features, as I mentioned, uh, Yuama Hiroto. Some of these features I haven't heard of. Some of them are reoccurring. Um, actually, on the following track, uh, MLK, Dream Big 2.0. Uh, with C. King and Matthew Shell. Uh, C. King actually had some really dope verses on that track. Uh, Steph the Sapphic Songtress, who if you've listened to Substantial or any Bop Alloy project, uh, she's been on plenty of their songs. Um, she always adds a nice touch uh, to any track she's on. Um, another one of my favorite tracks and favorite features, Psystar, uh, who I feel like I haven't heard from in a while, or not to be honest, I haven't been checking, but <laughs> so he, he might have me may be putting out music that I just might not even be aware of, but um, I like that track, uh, No Better Time. And the track is literally just, it's kind of about time and not, not sitting around wasting it and wondering what if, like, you, you know, you got to get up, you got to make it, you got to make it happen. And Psystar, just a real quick bar he dropped that I think applies to anybody can probably relate to. Uh, time waiting for none the gift is in the present you presently doing nothing then nothing is in your presence bro i heard that line i was like <laughs> you hear lines like that you start looking back at your life like bro what am i doing right now <laughs> like yeah so star added a real good touch and i like how this album is it's it's lyrical substantial is definitely a lyricist but it's not i feel like a lot of some MCs fall into that pitfall of where they're they have a lyrical style and they're good at like rapping, but they don't craft good songs. And I feel like Substantial's found a good balance to where he can remain lyrical but still still make like good songs that have good song structure. It's not just bars and bars and bars. You know, he knows how to construct a good song together. Um, and shout out to him, man. Uh, the track, The Subway, uh, which was also on the Bob Alloy EP. Um, I think that uh, that one has a video also, uh, probably on YouTube, which features, uh, with features, Precious Jobert, if I'm saying her name right. Um, shout out to him for that song. I actually heard that joint on a commercial one day when I was at work. Uh, in the background so <laughs> shout out to him man i hope they panned you but uh actually i think they are i'm pretty i think he he was promoting like a car commercial something i know i heard that song somewhere so shout out to him for that man that's that's a good move anytime your song can make it to any kind of commercial you're, you're doing something good um another track i want to mention uh, in my daughter's eyes featuring j soul um I like, I really, really like the concept of this track. And I believe if you look at the album cover, um, the album cover is a picture of a, a young girl. And then there were two hands. There's a hand on each of her shoulders. And then there's like a sunlight in the background. I, I think the album cover is his actual daughter. I'm not sure, but I think it is. Um, and In My Daughter's Eyes is a really, really dope track where he kind of, really dives into now that he has a daughter he's I guess kind of seeing the world a little different and then he's also realizing the things that since his daughter is going to grow to be a woman that she's going to she's going to have to grow to face sorry my phone is <laughs> quick side note 
my phone has just been randomly cutting on and off and probably time for a new phone it's been pissing me off but i'm sorry let me just throw this somewhere we don't edit things out on this podcast life happens in real time (laughs) but getting back to this song um he talks about how his like i said his daughter kind of makes him see things differently now and now he's realizing you know kind of the way that he used to view women in general before he had a daughter you know he might have been slightly misogynistic he realized maybe some of his views were a bit wrong and now that he has a daughter and he's seeing what she's going through and foreshadowing what she'll have to go through now he's realizing like i can't think the same way that i used to i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to change up and you know, I got to really prepare her for what this world is going to throw at her, which is going to be different from what I had to do because not to get too into it, but, you know, men and women, I feel like we all have our, there's certain things from each gender that I think we just kind of have different experiences. So now he's finding that he's going to have to figure out how to relate to her experience a little more, even though it's different from his, he has to figure out how to you know, still raise her properly. So I thought that was, that was a really dope concept track uh, that also featured uh, Jay Soul, uh, who is a producer from Baltimore. So shout out to him. Um, continuing on along, I didn't mean this to be like a track by track review, but I, honestly, I don't take notes. <laughs> so I just kind of go with the flow. Um, Tony Stanza featuring uh, Tone Deaf and Marcus D. Shout out to that track. Um, I wish I had the line in front of me, but that song is just pretty much about how, you know, every rapper wants to be uh, a boss, so to speak, or claims they're a boss, so to speak. But, you know, a lot of them aren't really their boss in the music video. And that's pretty much about where it starts and ends. <laughs> and Tone Deaf had a, a pretty nice line about, uh, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing, but it's like when rappers get mad, instead of boxing, like fighting, they just box stuff up because they work at like UPS or <laughs> something like that. So I love Tone Death's feature um, on that track. And I like this was actually another track that was, um, I'm pretty sure this was produced by Marcus D because he doesn't rap and he's listed as a feature. So, but um, this was another track that was a bit more like upbeat, kind of fast paced, a good uh, change up to the album. And just added overall to how well-rounded this album is, man. It's, like I said, it's, it's boom bap, it's soulful, has kind of a few, I don't know, how, like that Nuja Best sound is kind of, that's also influenced in here a little bit. It's lyrically on point. He covers pretty much every every topic especially a lot considering excuse me especially a lot uh having to do with like the current you know black experience in america and kind of the black experience in general but it's not done in like a preachy way or anything like that like it's it's him just kind of just getting his point across without you know some people take that angle but it comes off it can come off a bit corny or a bit preachy. His isn't, Substantials isn't like that at all. It's it's him just kind of telling you the world as he sees it. Um, 
And I guess the other, one other standout track or two, uh, Wish You Were Here, which was a really good ode uh, to his father, who I guess passed away. Um, and then it closes with Always, uh, featuring Fjer, whose name I'm probably butchering for the second week in a row. <laughs> but that was a, a really nice uh, closing track to the album. And yeah, man, I, honestly, I don't. If you like like just that straight hip hop sound, I feel like this is just the album for you. Um, if I had to do any cons, because I want to be fair, the only tracks I think on this album, like I said, it to me it was a bit long. Instead of seventeen, I think I would have preferred maybe fourteen or maybe fifteen at the most. Um, I probably might have taken off PTXD. That was one of the only songs on here that I listened to that I was just kind of like, eh, it's okay, but it's not, it's not anything great. Um, huh. I had to be honest, now that I'm looking at the track listing, I said I would like this at 14, but I can't think of any other <laughs> songs I would cut out. Um, so yeah, I got really, I guess other than PTXD, everything else on here is a bit of a keeper. I mean, there are tracks, of course, I like more than others, uh. Like I said, my personal favorites uh, probably would have been No Turning Back 2.0, um, Exposition, MLK, and um, probably No Better Time. Um, I like the first half of this album probably a bit better than the second. I feel like the album starts off, it starts off really good, kind of, I ain't gonna say tapers off, it loses steam just a little bit in like that mid-range. And then it definitely finishes out pretty strong with like those last like four to five tracks. Um, so yeah, overall, man, I, it's not too much bad I can can say about this album. I'm glad this was my first physical uh, <laughs> CD purchase of of 2017. Um, he's definitely an artist who's probably overlooked, which is why I like to do these kind of reviews. Um, I mean, I I don't mind talking about bigger artists, but there are other places that you can go to talk about bigger artists. So I kind of like to highlight the people who don't necessarily, you know, don't necessarily get the shine that everybody else gets. But they're still putting in work. They're still putting out good music. And Substantial is one of those dudes. He, he's from the home, from hometown. So, you know, you got to support the hometown when they put out anything good. Um, like I said, man, this is a real... This is a really good album from from pretty much front to back. You got good content. You got nice and, and varied production. And overall, you got a, a good MC, which matters most. Like I said, in the midst of all the content, it doesn't come off as preachy. He's still got bars. He can still rap. So like I said, it doesn't come off in like that corny kind of way of him just trying to preach to you. Like he's, he's spitting on here. And all of the features and people that he works with and brings in for the tracks they all they all help add a good element to the songs that they're on and like i said he's covering a good gamut of of just social issues and social topics so now i don't really have much else to say i don't want to keep rambling because i'm going to just end up repeating myself but yeah substantial the past is always present in the future give this album um a listen of course as always i'll leave 
uh, relevant links uh, down below in regards to this album. I'll probably post a link to the Bandcamp, uh, link to the video for the singles that he's put out. And yeah, man, that's about it. Coming up on 40 minutes. I don't want to talk to you guys heads off for too long. I just wanted to give this album some shine. Hopefully, y'all go check it out. Um, as I stated earlier, when I first started the podcast, uh, me and my co-host, Antakul, will be back next week. Uh, I took a break this week because life was just kind of giving me the business. I've been having car problems and <laughs> everything that could be going wrong in life just keeps going wrong. And you guys, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, my phone keeps cutting on and off and that's driving me crazy. So, yeah, I'm just trying to navigate through life right now. It's been giving me the work, but. Hopefully, I'll be having my issues together soon. So, uh, me and my co-host, Antakul, will be back next week. Um, like I said, we won't cover the entire UFC Houston card from last week, but we will talk about the return of the Korean Zombie because i got to talk about that fight. And hopefully, this uh, Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy fight or card as a whole will be good. And we'll uh, definitely chop, chop it up about that. I'm probably going to record that on Wednesday and then release that on Thursday. So be on the lookout. Um, as always, uh, if you want to catch me on other social medias, I'm on WordPress under Serial Sensei. Um, I'm on Twitch under Serial Sensei. Um, real quick note also before I leave, my SoundCloud. I used to post um, my podcast on SoundCloud. And I've always listened to things on soundcloud but i never had my own account so i didn't know that you had to do the whole soundcloud pro to get like more upload minutes and like i ran out of <laughs> i ran out of upload minutes after about two episodes so my soundcloud page is really far behind i am eventually uh probably gonna do their i can't remember what the tier systems are called but whatever that highest one is for like a year so i can have an up an unlimited upload time um, I will eventually do that, and then I'll just upload all of my previous podcasts to that channel because I know some people prefer uh, to listen to SoundCloud uh, for podcasts. I actually do too. I feel like it's a lot more user friendly and just really easy to navigate and get around. So I will eventually upload uh, all my podcasts over there as well as this channel. Um, so yeah, just uh, be on the lookout for that. So yeah, that's it, man. This has been the Dojo Talk Podcast. Hopefully, I will be back soon. As always, anytime people are getting punched or kicked in the face, uh, I'll be there to talk about it. Wasn't there this week, but I'll be there next week. And whatever other dope albums I happen to come across, um, either recent or I might, I was thinking of actually start doing some vintage album reviews, but I'll, you know, I'll let you guys know. But yeah, so. Dodo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Sergio Sensei. Hope you guys have had a good day. Thank you for listening, and I will catch you guys next time.